0: Guitarathon is the greatest guitar sale on earth, and it's happening now. Get massive savings on a huge selection of electric and acoustic guitars, basses, amps, pedals, and other accessories. Save up to $450 on a Gibson Les Paul Studio Deluxe, up to $900 on a Gibson Les Paul Trad Pro 4, or save up to 20% on other select Gibson guitars. Plus, get special financing on select major brands. Don't miss these incredible deals. Available online and in-store, now through November 1st. guitar only at Guitar Center. Find your sound. My name is Brad Rowland. I'll be your host for the proceedings, as always. And uh, it is a fine Sunday evening here in Atlanta. I am back in Atlanta after a, uh, about a ten-day jaunt to Las Vegas to uh, follow the Atlanta Hawks around in Las Vegas during the summer league, and uh, had a good time there. Obviously, spoke to you guys a couple times from the desert, but uh, now that I am home, a little bit of a summer league wrap up here today, as well as uh, you know a little bit of uh, news. Not not a ton going on in Hawksland, as that's going to be a familiar phrase between now and the start of the season. But it, there was at least one report that the Hawks were linked to. Uh, on Sunday afternoon. I guess we'll start with that before we get into the rest of the podcast. But um, I, actually, it was Adrian Wojnarowski of uh, Yahoo that uh, actually t- reported that the Hawks, sort of interesting report in some ways, that the Hawks were tied to uh, veteran big man Maurice Spates in free agency. Um, I'm going to read it to you word for word so that you can uh, sort of see what I'm dealing with here. It says, sources after, week, after week-long talks ended with Atlanta backing out of the offer to most Spates, one of the market's Best Shooting Centers is available again. Um, so that was seemed to indicate the Hawks were close to a deal with Mo Spates. Uh, at the very least, they obviously showed interest there. If they were in a week-long discussion about uh, bringing him into the fold, uh, Spates is a guy who once played with the Golden State Warriors and uh, obviously had the Travis Schlenk connection there. He was a three-year player for the Warriors when, when Schlenk was there, so that would be an interesting and obvious connection between the two. Um, with that said, the Hawks do have sort of a full roster of big men. Uh, not, not, not that they couldn't sign another one, but it's an interesting fit, and I don't think Spates necessarily will... That would be the most optimal spot for him to sign. I think you know guys like him who have been around for a while. Usually, want to sign where they can either play uh, or be able to win. And I'm not sure the Hawks are going to represent either one of those right now because the front court is very very full. Uh, for Atlanta, after after signing Dwayne Dedman to a two-year contract with a player option, uh, Mike Muscala is around. Those two guys are certainly going to be playing minutes as well as Ursulina Silva, uh, who the Hawks just inked as uh, presumably the starting power forward on opening night, and John Collins. Those four guys especially will be in the rotation, you have to imagine, as the season begins. And then you have the other guys like Miles Plumlee, who could be playing a little bit of, of, a, of a bit role, certainly, but uh, certainly is a guy to have an, uh, an investment in financially over the next three years. And you have uh, Diamond Stone, who the Hawks just acquired. Uh, I would imagine that Stone is going to be the odd man out in terms of not playing and uh, spending some time in Erie potentially. But uh, regardless, the Hawks do have five, you know, rotation worthy big men. And that's before you even get into the possibility that Torian Prince could play some power forward this year, which I would expect and at least hope that he will be doing. Cause I think that's something that he should be able to do moving forward is sort of the, uh, with the way the league is going, um, he has the build to be able to play some small ball four, and that's something the Hawks should be able to utilize in the future. So, with that said, most Bates is a useful player. Not, nothing spectacular. He's he is definitely enter, entertained to watch at times. Uh, defensively, not the greatest defensive player of all time, to uh, put it mildly. But he's actually younger than you would think. He's he's actually not even 30 years old. He'll he'll, he'll turn 30 on August 4th, so he's almost there. But at the same time. Uh, this is a guy who's been in the league for almost a decade. He he was in the 2008 draft, a first-round pick of the Sixers. Um, over the last two years, he's really become a uh, sort of a knockdown three-point shooter. Uh, his his final year in Golden State, he shot 39% from three. And last year in Los Angeles with, Los Angeles with, with the Clippers, he actually attempted a career-high 3.4 attempts per game and made 37.2% 30, of those. So he's a legitimate three-point threat from the center spot. And he's always been a very good free-throw shooter, a very efficient player. His rebounding has sort of waned uh, in, in recent years. Uh, not, not a terrible rebounder by any means. You know, his rebounding numbers are still decent. Actually, last year had a little bit of a renaissance in terms of rebounding, especially on the defensive glass, a 24% rebound rate, which is actually his career high. Before that, he started to float a little bit, and so he solved his numbers dwindle a, a tad bit. But if you can get past the defensive uh, the, the defensive issue with, with Spade, he's definitely useful. It's just one of those things where I'm not sure what kind of role he'd play. Obviously, the spacing would play well in Atlanta based on uh, what my, my, what Mike Mundo's White likes to do. Offensively, um, in the same breath, um space is not I'm not sure, uh, certainly not better than the likes of Muscala and Deadman and Iliasova and you know. And obviously, you want Collins to play. I'm not sure that I'm not 100% sure that John Collins is going to be a knockdown guy um, in terms of uh, playing real minutes right, right away. But he's going to play. I can't, I'd be surprised if he didn't. I'd be, you know, as a first-round pick on a rebuilding team, that makes all the sense in the world. So um, Spates, you know, the, the door's not closed based on that, based on on the reporting for Wojnowski there on most Spates. But I will not hold my breath based on the fact that it seems like um, interest sort of part ways there from um, for, for both sides, but it uh, could be open. At least it sort of indicates what, where the Hawks are in terms of the roster. Something we'll be doing on a, little bit, a little bit more on a future show is sort of breaking down the available roster spots that the Hawks have. But for now, they do have two spots. Um, presumably, uh, they're going to sign a third point guard based on the reporting from Christopher Moore of the AJC in which Travis Link basically said that on the record. And I can't imagine that they're going to be moving forward with, uh, uh, based on what he said, at least moving forward with Josh, with Josh Pajet as the third point guard. So that's something to keep an eye on. At least a guy who can play point guard. That'd be one of the spots. But there is another one, it could be a wing, could be a big. We'll see what happens here in the future. Um, And then with with that said, sort of the only news item that's out there that we haven't covered. Uh, It was a pretty quiet weekend for the Hawks after the Ilyasova signing. That was sort of the one thing that actually came across the wire. So uh, we'll get into the Summer League here as sort of a full-scale breakdown of what transpired. Uh, not really particularly in, in in the finale on Friday, but more of a big-picture takeaway. I did, I did talk to Charles Lee, the head coach of the Summer League team, after the game on Friday and say so, you know, a little bit of his takeaways on, the, on that particular game. But I try to get some more big-picture thoughts from him as well. I'm going to play a couple of those for you uh, as we get into the podcast here. But um I feel like we should just go player for player in terms of the guys who actually matter Um, for all intents and purposes. I'm going to skip the guys who don't. Uh, That's Nate Britt, Tyler Cavanaugh, Winston Shepard, Trent Lockett, Richard Solomon, and Quincy Ford. Um, in terms of just not bringing those guys down a whole lot, uh, I, I will say that Trent Lockett had a very, very good game on Friday. And if I had to pick one guy, uh, one or two guys to go to war with uh, right away off the uh, non roster MITs, it would probably be Trent Lockett and uh, Richard Solomon. I kind of like both those guys. I'm not sure either one of them are going to be in, in the NBA anytime soon. But uh, two guys that I actually was a little bit impressed by. The rest of the guys, not so much. But uh, we'll, we'll kind of leave it there. Um, in terms of the more peripheral guys, Ryan Kelly, who uh, piece your Hoops uh, we, we wrote about, Ryan Kelly not being able to sign back in Atlanta on all the salary cap machinations there. That's something that I will credit uh, Bob over at ATL Hawks Fanatic on Twitter for breaking that down in detail. So if you're interested in that, um, the Hawks were sort of just doing Ryan Kelly a favor and letting him play in summer league because they cannot sign him right now. Uh, there's no reason that couldn't happen in the future, but with the way it's currently set up, he can't come back uh, for the most part. Kelly was uh, what he kind of is. He flashes jump shot a little bit. A little bit more aggressive, obviously, in this, in this, in this setting that he would be in a normal NBA game. I continue to think that Ryan Kelly is uh, perfectly fine. You know, 14th, 15th man on an NBA roster. I would have no problem with the Hawks signing him if they were able to do that for a minimum contract and sort of having him in an emergency, uh, sort of break classes, emergency uh, role in the front court. But uh, there probably are other developmental projects, options that I would like more than Ryan Kelly. But still, I do think he is an NBA player, if not a fringe one at this point in time. Um, Other guys to get to, uh, Bryce Cotton was sort of the the most interesting um, in terms of uh, non non non-roster invitees and the, the way that he played last year in Summer League and the way that the Hawks have been linked to him during the season. He was not good in Las Vegas, candidly. Uh, he averaged he averaged 16 16 minutes per game, but shot only 24% from the floor and 11% from three on the weekend. Defensively, uh, he was kind of a mess, as you might and what you might imagine. Uh, he's listed at six feet tall, I believe. There's no way in the world that he's that tall. Uh, just to be honest with you, uh, having stood next to him in uh, in summer league, he I'm about six feet six feet one on a good day, and uh, he is uh, solidly shorter than I am. So I'm I'm not gonna guess his actual height, but it's not six feet. I'm pretty confident in that, and his, and that really affects his defense quite a bit. I would be surprised if Cotton was uh m- maybe gets a training camp invite from the hawks or somebody else and he's been an nba player before but this was not the, the greatest week for bryce cotton i wrote actually wrote a winners and losers of summer league post for the hawks on hoops.com and he was one of the guys who went in the losers column not that he was a, not that he was certainly not the worst player uh, for the hawks in summer league but based on expectations of the fact that he was one of the more intriguing guys i did not i was not impressed at all with what i saw from bryce cotton um Elsewhere on the periphery, before we get into, see, uh, into some bigger names, uh, Tyler Dorsey, obviously the second-round pick of the Hawks this year, uh, got banged up, uh, hurt his ankle, missed, his, missed the last two games. Before that, I was kind of unmoved by Dorsey in terms of the way that he played. It is worth noting the Hawks announced uh, that they signed Dorsey to a two-year contract uh, earlier on over the weekend. Um, it's important to note that the Hawks didn't need to really do that. It was kind of a weird thing that I, I, I get a all credit, our, our cap expert, uh, Bob, with this uh, little nugget um, in my direction, but... Um, the Hawks the signed him to a two-year to a two-year deal, a two-year deal, not a three-year deal, which means they didn't need to use cap space. So. They could have just waited forever and used the cap space instead of using the cap hold um, on Dorsey, like getting too, deep, too too deep into it. There's no reason not to sign him to a three-year contract unless you just want to use the minimum. So I'm not really sure why they didn't lock him up for at least a non-guaranteed third year. Um, but you know, maybe Dorsey had some negotiating power. I'm not really sure. He he he, he does have some uh, overseas connections, um, so maybe he was uh, sort of maybe threatening to go overseas, and the Hawks wanted him to be around stuff like that. That's all speculation. I'm not really sure at this point in time. But uh, Dorsey is going to be around for two years. I uh, was not an, was not terribly impressed with. Him in summer league, although I will note that uh, he's not the not some of the time the is gonna look great there, he's not the greatest athlete in the world, he needs to be sort of in a structure. His shot making is going to have to happen because I'm not sure what else he does at NBA level right now, other than other than make shots. The shooting is definitely translatable. But he's not—he's not big. He's not quick necessarily when, when compared to other uh, NBA guards of, of his size, and he's going to have to make shots for that. That's uh, sort of for better or worse. But with the second-round pick, that's just fine. I, I'm, my alarm bells weren't exactly going off with Dorsey to a, to a huge extent. But I, it's worth noting that he didn't play particularly well in his limited sample. Uh, diamond stone will be the other guy on the list uh, we're talking about obviously the second round former second round pick the hawks acquired in the jamal crawford trade uh sort of hit and miss from stone this week uh, i will i will say I, i'm i going to be impressed by his touch around the rim and just his offensive uh, ability in that way as a pure scoring option on the block um with that said his, def- his defense was not very good um it's sort of in the grand scheme he moves re- he moves relatively well um in space but Stone's uh, awareness is not great in the pick and roll. Uh, wh- when he's parked around the rim as a pure rim protector, he actually did a pretty good job from what I saw. That's sort of his reputation as well. Um, but in terms of like uh, dealing, dealing with pick and roll, dealing in space, was not good. Defensively got lost uh, on more than one occasion. Uh, rebounding was just fine. Uh, but at the same time, I-, I wasn't blown away by Stone. It's worth noting that he's, again, I've said this before, but he's only 20 years old. He's a pure developmental project. The only problem though, so the Hawks have to make a decision on him uh, next year. He'll be a restricted free agent, and we'll see what happens there. But uh, he was a throw-in, uh, sort of an asset play from the Hawks. But I, I expect Stone to, to be spending quite a bit of time in Erie with the G League team, and that's probably where he needs to be for the most part this season because, you know, for better or worse, the Hawks are going to try to compete and try to win some games here with the way they've signed some guys in uh, recent days, and that does not leave a whole lot of room for Stone to be playing real minutes in Atlanta. So spent some time in Erie, and we'll see what the Hawks can get out of um out of stone at this point in time. Uh, all right, well, that's, that brings us to some other guys who we actually have some sound to talk about here. Uh, Isaiah Cordenier had a good game on Friday. Before that, I was uh, pre- I was prepared to sort of knock him considerably. Uh, he did not have a good summer league in 2016 after being second-round draft pick, and then had a brutal year this year in, in Europe, and uh, really started out summer league pretty poorly. But the last couple of games, especially the last game on Friday, he started playing a little bit better, uh, stuffed the stat sheet quite a bit with some rebounds and some assists and some uh, some quality defense. So I talked to Charles Lee about Cordonea and this is what he had to say.
1: This was the Isaiah I remembered from last year. Um, Played very hard on defense, and I really do believe he has such a great motor. He has the ability to guard one through three that when his defense is locked in, it all of a sudden fuels him offensively. He's getting himself going, he's running the floor, he's driving and kicking. The way he played today was the Isaiah that I remember from last year, and hopefully we can get more of that uh, as we go into the future.
0: So you could almost hear the relief there um, from Charles Lee, and that uh, it seemed like I mean, he didn't say this, but it seemed like uh, you know Cordenier had not played particularly well. And hearing him say that this is the this is the Isaiah that he, they remembered from last year was probably encouraging in some ways, based on the fact that it was actually in there. But before that, he obviously was struggling early on in the week, and I said that I believe on a previous podcast. But Cordenier is a guy who I don't think is going to be uh, long for Atlanta, at least in terms of this year. There are some rumblings and some reporting out there. I believe it was actually the interview with Travis Schlank from the AJC Christopher Moore, um, that talked about the fact that that Quadenier would like to come over to at least Erie. This year, uh, that would not that would not surprise me in any way because of the fact that uh, he is second round pick and uh, you can sort of force the hand of the Hawks a little bit. Um, with that said, I'd be blown away if, if he was on the roster. On the opinion, not in Atlanta. You know, in in area, you can kind of keep an eye on him and have him dele- have him develop a little bit. Uh, there's some places in Europe, uh, whereas uh, you know guys who are potentially bound for the NBA don't always get treated uh, the best way by their coaches in terms of development. So uh, if the Hawks want him to be uh, you know closer and sort of under their watch, having him in, in the area would be probably a decent thing. But I'd be Surprised he was in Atlanta really at any point this year. I think he's still a while away in terms of uh, being an NBA player. But, you know, the talent is there. Um, I've never been a huge fan of the prospect overall, but you can you definitely see it at times you know he, he's a good athlete the stroke is nice as a shooter he, should, he just shoot a, a pretty big moon ball in terms of uh, high arcing but uh, it, it'll go in sometimes and uh, you know Cor is a guy who the tools are there. Um, we'll see what happens in the future but it'd be good for the Hawks to be able to mold him a little bit closer and that might be happening in Erie. Um, other guys to uh, touch on here. Um, Alpha Kaba this year's uh, number 60 overall pick Um, I was actually impressed by Alpha for the most part especially defensively uh, being as raw as he seemed to be on the tape that the limited tape that I saw admittedly I was not uh, hugely cued into uh, Alpha before the draft but uh, good to see him sort of play a little bit better than I thought he would and I also talked to Charles Lee about him so here is uh, Charles Lee on Alpha.
1: Uh, I was really happy for Alpha today to be able to finish out Summer League strong. Uh, plus 22, great job on the offensive boards. He was really a force uh, on his roles and pick-and-roll situations. And defensively, it altered a couple shots. Uh, so just happy with his activity and, and for him to have a good day uh, to finish it all. What do you need for him to work on
0: uh, moving forward? Obviously, i got to improve some, but what would he <laughs> definitely? focus uh,
1: I think just being able to keep up with the pace of the, the, the game. Um, So today playing Houston, they're getting it out really quick, transition defense. He's got to be able to make multiple efforts, sprint back to the nails, show a crowd, help us stop guards penetrating, and then he's got to get out to these bigs that are pretty good shooters and pretty good drivers, Um, and then just getting used to – playing a lot of pick and rolls and being up and we're pretty aggressive in our push pick and roll defense and he's got to be able to be up in it aggressive and then recover back to his guy um, and then offensively just our style of play it's very different we're playing fast we need him to get up the floor we need him to set multiple pick and rolls and not just live on sitting at the block and, and calling for the ball so he came a long way he picked up things pretty well and, and like I said I'm just really happy that he uh, could finish out summer league on a high note
0: A point that I've made a couple of times since uh, since the draft and since the acquisition of Diamond Stone, especially, is that uh, you know Diamond Stone is about a full year younger than Alpha Caba, which is worth noting. But, uh, you know, Alpha is still only 21 years old. Um, I do think that he was a much better defensive player on the whole than Stone was in Summer League. Uh, you know, offensively, Stone's tools are much, much better, and he obviously has a bigger pedigree uh, based on the fact that he was a five-star prospect in high school in America, one-and-done guy at Maryland, etc., etc. et cetera. But um, if you ask me who, who would be a better defensive player right now in the NBA, probably be Caba, which is sort of an indictment on Stone's development defensively. Um, but offensively, obviously, Stone's upside is quite a bit higher. We'll see what happens there, and I think Alpha is going to be spending at least another year in Europe so we won't know too much more um, before we see him again probably next summer for the first time. Obviously, we'll keep tabs on him a little bit in terms of his play in Europe, but in terms of it, uh, under the Atlanta Hawks umbrella, it'll probably be next summer in Summer League before we see Alpha again, and uh, nothing wrong with that. Um, I, 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 again, I was, I, was so, I was sort of impressed by his, by his defensive uh, awareness and the fact that he was able to uh, do most things that the Hawks were asking him to do defensively. We'll see if that translates in the future, but a relatively uh, impressive uh, performance from Alpha in Summer League. Uh, next guy to get to is Josh Majette. Um Majet has has been reportedly the uh, subject of a two-way contract, a guy who uh, basically that's, that's the, what's the worst-kept secret in the world is that Majet's going to be on a two-way in Atlanta. Uh, it's been double confirmed, triple confirmed at this point, and, uh, although it's not been fo- formally announced. But Majet was the operator of the offense for the most part in terms of when DeAndre Bembry was not operating the offense from the off-ball position. Uh, Majet was the starting point guard in every game Throughout Las Vegas, and uh, a guy who's sort of a caretaker type, uh, smaller point guard, but a guy who, you know who he led the G League in assists last year. He's a very, very good passer. I talked to Charles Lee about him and his role uh, in terms of summer league and the way that he played this week. So uh, here is that snippet.
1: Josh has such a great feel for the game. High basketball IQ. Uh, even when he's not out there making shots, you feel comfortable with him on the floor because he can put every the other four guys in the right spots on the floor. Defensively, he's got enough toughness and moxie and grit to him uh, that, that you trust him to really just compete and, and help us get stopped. So I love having Josh on the floor. I think he's good for your culture. And I think he's just good for uh, your overall success of your team because he's a winner. And he's willing to do anything to help the team win.
0: You can hear it there in uh, in Charles' voice that uh, they really like Majette. Uh the, co- the coaching staff is obviously drawn to him because the fact that he plays the, he plays the game in a certain way. You know, He's a very cerebral player. Uh, basketball IQ stuff that uh, Charles is talking about there is evident. He's a great passer. Uh, you don't become the G League uh, leader in, in assist. I know it's the G League, but still you don't lead any league in assists without being a great passer. He can certainly do that. That's one of the first, thing I, first, th- first things I noticed in a summer league opener, which is just how much of a command he has of what's going on. He, he knows where everybody's supposed to be. His passing is always there. Uh, with that said, uh, I think he's going to be in Erie for the most part. Uh, I'd be pretty surprised if he ever became an actual NBA rotation player uh, for the most part, but just because uh, he's very, very small. Uh, he's 27 years old as well. It's not like, this, this is not a, this is not a young developmental prospect. Uh, Majet is a guy who is kind of fully formed at this point in time. Uh, this is not me saying anything uh, to- totally negative about him because I, I can see what what the Hawks see in Majet, but he'll be 28 actually in November uh, as the season is sort of sort of getting underway around Thanksgiving and. Uh, I just don't see it in terms of uh, actually being able to be on an NBA court and function defensively. He was getting uh, sort of gunned for in Summer League, and teams were able to take advantage of him on a number, on a number of occasions defensively, and that's only going to get worse in the NBA. I will say, though, that having a guy like him in Erie um, sort of running the G League offense and sort of incorporating that, getting guys where they're supposed to be, making guys look very good in terms of his passing, setting guys up in Erie, allowing guys to function without having to worry about the point guard position is always good, especially with big men. Uh, you always see uh, big men get sort of downgraded because they have a uh, bad guard play that can't, get, can't get, them the, get, them the, get them the ball in the greatest positions in the world, and Majette uh, sort of alleviates that. So it's probably worth it for the Hawks to just give him that kind of deal and, and sort of pay him a little bit a little bit more of the market price uh, in terms of a G League point guard Have him there and in an emergency situation, he can come into Atlanta and potentially uh, function as a backup. Uh, we'll see if, these, if that ever happens. But I, at the worst, I think he'll be a, he'll be a very, very good Dealey point guard. And that can operate in that spot. And there's nothing wrong with that and having him around. So uh, not an awful performance by Majette necessarily. I mean, you know, the numbers are not great. He's not going to be a great numbers guy. So after the assist he shot 23% from the floor. And in Las Vegas, that's not great, obviously. But it's a small sample. Six to 26 on the floor. You can't really learn a ton from that, but still, you know, he, he shot the ball reasonably well. 31% from three is not great, but, uh, 16 assists, only seven turnovers on the week. And, uh, you know, he's a guy who can definitely, uh, definitely pass. We'll see what happens beyond that. Um, but you know, not awful, not great either. And we'll see, uh, we'll, so we'll see what kind of, what, what his role ends up being. Although I would be pretty safe to assume he's going to be an Erie at least at the beginning of the season. Um, Last but not least, here we can get to the uh, sort of the big guns for Atlanta. The three best players um, that were in Las Vegas obviously, Torian Prince, DeAndre Bemery. And John Collins. We'll start with uh, Torian, uh, who had the least uh, the least least exciting performance in summer league. He shot 35% from the floor um, on the week, which is not great. He had a couple of games in which he was pressing. I played some audio for you guys last week about um, you know Charles Lee talking about how Torian was pressing in summer league. Not a huge surprise. Uh, I think the, that was sort of the mandate for him is to kind of go out and uh, be aggressive. He was definitely that, probably overly so. But at the same time, it's not it's not like he was great in summer league. But Torian, is, Torian was the guy I was I was least worried about in terms of summer league play. Um, both Benbri and Prince have the day off on, on the final game in the fifth game of summer league, and um, justifiably so. You know, Prince was a guy who was in a playoff rotation just a couple of months ago, so I'm not going to learn a ton about Torian Prince in, in the uh, in the summer league atmosphere. Uh, he'll be the starting small forward opening night. I, I'd be I'd be pretty surprised if he wasn't at this point in time, based on the fact that he was he was there at the end of the season. I think the, your starting wings will be uh, Kent Bazemore and Torian Prince. I'd be pretty blown away if anything else happened there. You have know, a couple of other guys who are functional. You know you have Marco Bellinelli. You have member who we'll get to in a second. But uh, your your two best wings right now, I believe, on the roster are Prince and Bazemore. And uh, we're going to see a whole lot of Torian. Not, not, almost not even worth breaking him down a whole lot. But the, you know you can definitely see it defensively. He was sort of swallowing guys whole at times when he when he was dialed. And I continue to think he should be playing some small ball 4 We'll see how much that happens uh, this year. But it'd be a good time to tinker based on the, probably what is the – Trajectory of this year's team in terms of win loss perspective. Good time to get him some uh, minutes at the power forward position. Um, down memory is the next guy to talk about. He had a fantastic summer league. He shot 57% from the floor, uh, made three of his six threes, which is noteworthy because he was pretty, he was really bad last year, of course. Uh, I think I believe he finished one of 18 from three in the NBA season. Uh, good to see him having some confidence in his jump shot. He also took uh, 16 free throws, made 13 of them. So, very, very good. Nice, slow, you know, nice looking stroke at the line as well. The rest of his numbers were very good. Uh, Turnovers, probably too many. Obviously, 16 turnovers to only... uh I believe it was, uh, yeah, only 13 assists, so not, not great in that way. But he rebounded the ball well, uh, made some highlight plays, had 11 steals in 105 minutes, which is a crazy number. Um, and yeah, I mean DeAndre is a guy who probably looked uh, better than he, better than he, better than he had any right to look last year in summer league. And I think he's sort of the type of player that's going to look good in summer league. But a couple of good strides, especially the jump shot and his awareness defensively. I think he's not um, not the strongest guy in the world. Still, I, I like to see him put on a little bit more mass and uh, some strength to uh, match up against some of the bigger wings in the NBA. But uh, if you remember right, he did a very, very good job on James Harden defensively for a full game this year against the Rockets. I think Memoree was going to be at least an average defensive player has some upside beyond that. And offensively, um, if he can fix the jump shot, which it looks like he's uh, on the way to doing, I've always loved the passing. I've always loved his secondary ball handling, his basketball, basketball IQ stuff. We saw that on full display here. He uh, sort of took took on a leadership role alongside of Torian uh, in Summer League, and that ended up working out very well. So I was very, very impressed with DeAndre. I wrote about him earlier in the week and sort of a – uh, in, a, in a projection uh, role, piece if you want to read about that, I would encourage you to go read about that. Basically, I'm talking about how he's ready to step up and uh, some audio um, and kind of some quotes from DeAndre in that story that I would encourage you guys to read. But uh, I think he's definitely ready for a role next year in the rotation. We'll see how big of one uh, that happens because, uh, again, you still have at least two guys ahead of him in uh, Bazemore and Prince. But uh, aside from Bellinelli, who I think will be playing early on. Uh, not a, not a huge uh, stockpile of talent on the wing. Uh, you know, Tyler Dorsey is going to be on the roster, but I think he'll spend some time in Erie, and at the very worst, he's not going to be playing ahead of DeAndre Bembry. The Hawks could sign another guy for sure, and it could be looking at some two-point guard stuff. I'm not going to Laney, but Bembry's going to play this year, and we'll see uh, what happens there. But I think he uh, took a nice step forward here in Las Vegas. Last but definitely not least at all, John Collins, who was the headliner uh, basically all the way through Summer League. I would argue that uh, DeAndre Bembrew was just as good probably in terms of uh, overall uh, achievement. uh, But the numbers on Collins were, uh, you know, eye-popping. He uh, averaged uh, I believe it was let me let me find it here now. I just clicked off of it, so I'm sorry about that. Uh, Collins averaged 15.4 points and, 9, and 9.2 rebounds per game and only 23 minutes uh, of game action. Uh, he shot 59% from the floor uh, for the week. He actually uh, he made a three. he was one of one from three point range. Um, you know not, not a ton of foul stuff. Uh, pr- was pretty active defensively in uh, the and the Hawks what they what they would what they would describe as push sort of their uh, sort of their uh, aggressive type of defensive structure um the dunks were off the charts we talked about that um on on our, on our last show but uh, he had a couple of just absolutely crazy highlight dunks a couple of highlight missed dunks and uh, you can see the uh, they definitely the burst there with Collins athletically he's a monster athlete not 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 the longest guy in the world only 6'11" wingspan which is a little bit concerning because I think he's probably going to be a long-term center that's just my guess he will definitely play some power forward especially early on, I'd like to see him play a little bit more center moving forward, especially if he can defend I I'll, I'll, I'll kind of always will have questions about how, about how his defense will translate at power forward, but uh, we'll see what happens there defensively I still have my concerns. Uh, there, there wasn't a whole lot he's going to be able to do in some way to, to uh, sort of assuage those. They're more scheme-related. They're more uh, sort of positionally and being able to do things that uh, are sort of being incorporated in an in NBA defense. Uh, the raw talent is there. The athleticism is there. The bulk is generally there. He does work hard. He was playing hard. There's some... Uh, some Maturity, some uh, knowledge, things that you know. Not, this is not a knock on Collins. Most rookies are going to be bad defenders, and uh, my my word with Collins is always going to be defensively. But I think even more so than normal, it was going to be uh, early on uh, on the defensive end of the court. But all, all he has to be is, is average defensively. If he can become average defensively, then he'll be a, a heck of a player at the NBA level, a starting level player. Which is if you can get a starter at number 19 overall, that's a huge win. Uh, I st- you know, the jury's out there. I won't, I won't say we, we learned a ton about his defense in summer league, but uh, very very encouraging there offensively. The jump shot looked very, very good. Looked very, very confident in it. It's a small sample, but he looked good shooting it. Very, uh, you know, it's a, it's a smooth stroke. At the free throw line, uh, the results were not as good. You know, 12 of 18, which is not a disaster. 67% from the free throw line. I made mean, a couple of mid rangers Made that three I talked about a second ago. And uh, again, those are the two big concerns: was was jump shot and defense. Uh, he took, you know, there wasn't wasn't a whole lot he can do to, uh, you know. Sort of announced his presence on either side of the floor in that way. But uh, the jump shot looked better than I thought it would. The defense looked as good or better than I thought it would. And uh, a very, very good thing in general for John Collins. You know, I, I continue to think that he's. it would be a surprise to me if he started opening day. Just by the fact that Mike Budenholzer has always kind of had an aversion to starting rookies earlier on in the year. And sort of featuring them in any prominent way. Uh, I was pretty surprised when he went to Torian last year in the playoffs. But it was sort of born out of necessity with some injury stuff with Thomas Alphalosia. And Torian uh, ended up playing well. I do think Collins could overtake Eliasova in the starting lineup next year, or Eliasova could be could be moved midseason. But if, everybody, if everybody's healthy on opening day, I'd be pretty surprised if Collins started ahead of Eliasova, uh, or even Muscala. I wouldn't that even I wouldn't even blow me away if they went to Muscala, Devin, frontcourt something like that. Um, Collins, you know, you could argue might be better. Right now, I'm not sure you could say that based on the defense. Uh, I think Eli Soba is definitely a better basketball player right now than John Collins is uh, in terms of uh, upside. I'm sorry, it's not it's not even close. Uh, but rookies are generally bad. It's something I always talk about. Uh, you know, outside of Collins, even with Torian Prince last year, and down to last year coming into the season. I was talking about the fact that. It'd be a big surprise if either one of those guys made an impression early on, and they never they never really did. There was there was pockets during the year in which both guys were were contributors, and obviously Prince by the end of the year was in the rotation as a full fledged member of the uh, of the squad there. But um, you know Collins and most rookies, you know outside of the top three or four picks in the draft, and even then some of those guys are bad as well as we saw last year with Brandon Ingram, who's a guy I like a lot. He was an awful player as an NBA player in year one, and you know Collins will probably fit that mold to a certain degree. He's gonna put up numbers though. And, uh, I sort of wish the Hawks would unleash him a little bit more um, in terms of uh, playing time because I think if he played 30 minutes a game, he might be uh, in the rookie of the year shortlist. Just because John Collins is gonna put up numbers. There's no way around that. Um, sort of in the way that guys uh, sort of I don't know, there was there was some Enos Cantor comparisons, some sort of a more athletic Enos Cantor coming out of the draft. I don't think his defense is gonna be that bad necessarily, but a guy like Cantor would put up monster numbers. You know, Collins is always in rebound, he always rebounded at the at the college level. His numbers, his efficiency were off the charts there. Even even playing in the ACC and you saw a lot of that here in summer league, you know, fifteen and nine and twenty three minutes per game is crazy. That translates to, you know, more more than twenty and twelve in a in a more like starter level role in the NBA. So we'll see what happens there. But I, I do like Collins quite a bit um, in terms of, uh, I'm still going to be a little, a little bit lower than the, than the consensus on him. I think now, just because of the fact that I think, you know, all the dunks and all the exciting plays in summer league. In fact, that he's a first round pick. Uh, my expectations are always going to be a little low, a little bit lower for rookies, especially defensively. And I think, you know, the jury's out there, you know, most fans don't really pay attention to defense in the same way that somebody like I would, which is fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but, you know, we'll see it. Well, the jury's out there. That's all I'll say about that. I, w- I want to be as positive as possible on John Collins, and he definitely did not hurt himself defensively in Las Vegas. But uh, until we see him, you know, sort of defend in terms of an NBA scheme, we won't really know. And uh, that's sort of all I'm going to say about that for now. Because it was a lot of fun to watch John Collins play basketball. He's an entertaining interview. I've talked to him, uh, you know, four or five times during the week, and uh, he's a lot of fun. So we'll see what happens there uh, in terms of his defense. But uh, the overall projection of him uh, was very, very encouraging based on what we saw in Las Vegas. Uh, that's it's going to kind of do it for today's podcast. Um, we're going to be going back to sort of a more smart schedule for the next uh, little bit. Obviously, if something breaks and the Hawks, do a si- Hawks make a signing or a trade, something like that, we'll definitely break in with an emergency episode. But from now on, probably only two or three times a week um, and to- during the offseason just because there isn't enough content in the world to go five days a week in the offseason. And not- so I apologize for that. You know, If news breaks, we'll be here, and uh, obviously we'll have some guests on in the near future. It was tough to do guests from Las Vegas, but uh, now that we're back at home and, and have the studio set up, um, we'll be able to uh, sort of patch-, patch guys in get some other – some other opinions on the podcast and I know a lot of people like when I have guests on so that'll be happening in the near future as well so thanks for listening as always everybody happy Monday as you're listening to this and we'll be back again later on in the week Wilson you sent the game winning email at the buzzer avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar how did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly an AI writing partner that helped me make my point 96%